You're listening to Gameplay with Matthew Cause on TSN 1050. Embrace the odds. I want winners. Welcome back, everybody. This is Gameplay. I am your host, Matthew Cause. The show, as always, brought to you by FanDuel, but on all your favorite teams on the FanDuel Sportsbook app. And speaking of FanDuel, the bet I've got, there's a boost out there. Matthews to score. And the Leafs to win tonight against Edmonton. It's been boosted up to three to one. I put down five bucks on that to win fifteen dollars. Uh, anytime goal scorer Connor McDavid at minus one thirty eight, and then the next uh, lowest odds is Dry Settle at plus one ten. I mean McDavid is just in his own world out there. I will just say this: be careful, because we all want to jump on the overs. We all want to jump on the overs. McDavid scored Matthews, and and the t- and the total is seven. That is a lot. Usually the rule is once you get past six and a half, uh, usually the unders hit. But you don't often have games where you got Matthews and Marner and Neil Leonard, Tavares and Dreisaitl and Zach Hyman and Connor McDavid and maybe not uh, two of the most elite goaltenders doing battle with one another. On the NBA side of things, if you want to do one that's a little bit more, uh, a little bit more of a risk, but one that I like, you got a good game time between the Celtics and the Cavs. Jason Tatum and Donovan Mitchell to both score 30. Now, that you know that's not going to happen that much, but that's been boosted up from uh, basically 4-1 to one to 5-1. to one. So keep an eye on that. Uh, sticking with the NBA, I think the one thing we're all curious about is the Suns and Hornets, not because of the Hornets, who LaMelo Ball is now done for the year, but it's Kevin Durant. We all want to see what Kevin Durant looks like. like if, to me, it's not even as much about how many points he scores, but does he look comfortable on the floor? How's he moving? How, you know, when he jumps, you know, just there's so many different things uh, to keep an eye on. Now, joining me now, like, uh, this is not going to be me just kissing ass. This is going to be me just expressing gratitude because he is my single favorite basketball voice i'm a huge fan of the dan lebitard show and now that he's become a much greater presence on it that podcast that show has gotten way better but it goes beyond that the most interesting basketball podcast is the basketball illuminati basketball illuminati basketball illuminati basketball illuminati keep your third eye open if you haven't checked out that podcast i highly recommend it and of course beyond that you can hear them all year long on the only place on radio for 24 7 coverage of the nba sirius xm nba radio it is amin al hassan amin thank you so much for joining the show today hey matt thanks for having me and i appreciate you doing the slogan for the show basketball illuminati it's it's one of my favorite things Oh, I love it. I, I love this. The production, the intro, it's incredible. And I listen to it. I'm like, so many of those references. No one under a certain age is going to get. Also, a shout-out. I think you're the only sports media person that has dropped a War Games movie reference in the middle of a conversation. Don't think that didn't go uh, unnoticed. Yeah, no, you know what's funny, man? I always joke around that like, whenever I do something like that, Two people who actually catch it, and I yeah. do it for those two people. It's yeah. way more satisfying than having millions of people uh, kind of catch the reference. What was, oh. was it? Was it Whopper or was it Joshua? What was the? Uh, I believe the it was. I believe it was Whopper, which uh, just the the super giant computer and not the password to play a game of tic tac toe. <laughs> exactly. 
Uh, we, could, we could just talk about Matthew Broderick and how he, how he was able to make a legal phone call without using a quarter, but then half the audience has never used a quarter or used a pay yeah. phone. Uh, there, there's so many... <laughs> <laughs> There's so many different places. I just want to spin the wheel of topics with you, and then and maybe at the end, uh, you know, you can uh, you try to explain to me why I should be excited about the Banshees of Isherin, or where the hell that last name is. I hated that movie. But let's start here, because you're always good for a good conspiracy theory. If the NBA had found that Damian Lillard, that his blood was more Lance Armstrong, Jose Canseco, and A-Rod than it was actual blood, what do you think the NBA would have done if they tested Damon Lillard and found out that he was positive for everything? Well, there's a theory, Matt, that you uh, never ask a question that you don't know the answer to. <laughs> and and so it's funny, like, here's, here's one thing. How do we know when guys get tested? When, guys when get they tell tested? us. Right? So how many times do guys get tested and they don't tell us, right? Oh. Like no one ever says, yeah, I, I had a three-point game where I shot two for 17, and then I got tested afterwards. <laughs> it's always after they have a good game that, where they bring it up. So, you know, it's, that, that's one of the interesting things about that whole thing uh, is that everyone's like, oh, here we go, another big game, and, and the guy gets tested immediately afterwards. But the reality is that the only reason we know he was tested is because he said it. Do you think the NBA, if they found anything, they would have told us, or would they have kept it quiet? Because who wants to be a Debbie Downer after Lillard gets 71? Yeah, you know, I, again, like the guys who have gotten caught, after they got caught, are never, it's never like uh, someone that we're really wowed by, right? So DeAndre Ayton, I think, a couple of years ago, had like a 10-year oh, yeah. suspension. Yeah, because he tested positive for a masking agent. Apparently, uh, he took it because he was trying to beat the drug test. Because uh, at the time, I think he was he was smoking or something like that. This was before they removed marijuana from the list of tested substances. Uh, but the same agent that would mask a positive marijuana test is the same thing that would mask a positive uh, PED test, and that's why they they, they hit him with that. Right. But yeah, man, like it, it, it's like all the like I think back Don McLean was a guy that got. For PED, uh, was it OJ Mayo? I wanted to. It's never. You're never gonna get it because it doesn't really do anybody any good. Yeah. Oh God, you're right about OJ Mayo. Ah, joined by uh, Amin El Hassan again. Check out the Basketball Illuminati podcast and just get the Levitard show, especially when Amin is on. It's always it's always a little bit better. Uh, we'll do the Canadian content version of the interview. And I'm just curious, as someone who worked in the front office for the Phoenix Suns for a long time, uh, were, you, were you all shocked by the Raptors just not being sellers and in fact were buyers acquiring Jakob Pertle, considering it's been a disappointing year for the team? Yeah, you know, it's funny. They had started winning before the All-Star break, before the, the, the trade deadline. Things have started to turn. I thought for sure OG Ananobi, I won't call him a seller, but I thought we might see new home for Ananobi, given that he's not exactly thrilled about his role and how he's used there. I thought there was a chance we might see either Van Vliet or um, Gary Trent on the move because those guys are obviously going to be looking at free agency coming up. So I, I, I thought they would try. I'm not saying stellar. I'm not going to say stellar because stellar makes it seem like you're, you know, closing down shop and we're going for Victor Webmanyama. But I did think they would be a little bit more active in terms of getting 
out of some of these uh, tricky financial deals and maybe getting some more talent back. Keeping the band together, in essence, and then just adding Pirtle would certainly satisfy the need for them. That was surprising. I'm curious, and there's probably no real answer to this, but we always wonder about what's the best way to develop a team and what's the best way to develop when you got young players. Is it, you know, to tank and try to get a Victor Wembanyama, or is it to try to go for it? And so the young players, every game has greater stakes, but in the end, your reward is losing in seven in Milwaukee. I think I just I'm always wondering about that, about what the proper approach should be for Masai Ujiri when you got young guys like Scotty Barnes. Yeah, I mean, I think the big thing is he, he does have young guys like Scotty Barnes, but then he has a lot of vets, like I said. Van Vliet and Trent and Pascal and yeah. OG and, you know, even a guy like uh, Boucher, who we don't think of, you know, as a vet, but, you know, he's, he's not a spring chicken. So, you know, on some level, like, yes, they have a very important young player, but for the most part, this is a, this is a veteran team coached by a veteran coach, uh, a, cha- a champ, and many of these guys, again, have won a championship. So it's hard to kind of have that massive diversion, especially because, you know, what Scotty Barnes has experienced in the first two years of his career is probably the best thing, is to play competitive basketball. I think the moment where you just say, hey, we're just going to throw them out there and just do whatever is when you've got a team like Houston, where it's like, it's nothing but kids. It's ridiculous to even entertain the thought at this stage that they could be competitive in this uh, in their playoff picture. That's when you kind of say, okay, well, we're just going to you know push it to the limit. But anytime you've got a, a guy, a young guy, who's in the midst of a veteran team, guys who've won, and uh, and a competitive, then I think you owe it to him and you owe it to them to try to be as good as possible. Moving to movies for a second, and then we'll get get back to basketball. You have another podcast called Cinephobe. I won't ask you what it is. Uh, am yeah. I a dummy? <laughs> am I a dummy that listen? If Colin Farrell wins the for the Oscar, great. And the Banshees of Inisherin, it looked gorgeous. I thought that movie was miserable. It made me miserable. It's the only time I've cared about a donkey since Shrek. Am I a dummy <laughs> that I would rather watch Face Off than that movie? No, I mean, I think, like, here's the thing. These movies sometimes, they have a message and they have something they want to get across, but that doesn't necessarily make it a, an enjoyable experience. In other words, you can make a great movie that makes you kind of feel like trash at the end of it. And, and uh, I, I haven't seen that one, but I've heard a lot about it. First of all, I heard you have to have the subtitles on because yes. nobody can... No. Make it through the thick Irish brogue without the no. assistance of yeah. captioning. Uh, but also, it's just it's a it's a dreary movie. It's it's not a feel good, you know, bounce out of your seat and hop up out and go, yeah, I feel great about life. And, and to me, like I think we can eat the filmmaking while also say that yeah, I don't really like that movie. Yeah, it, it, it's like I always uh, give the example of Das Boot, and I know you were here for hot yeah. Das Boot conversation. Again, joined by Amin El Hassan, covering all things basketball. But I watched Das Boot. I'm like, this is a really impressive movie. I will never watch this again because a three-hour black-and-white movie about a bunch of Germans in a submarine, it's not for me. It's impressive, but I'm going to go back to Nick Cage uh, taking on John Travolta. 
You know, my version of that is Dunkirk. Okay, yeah, yeah. So it was beautifully shot and a, yes. and, and a, a very important, you know, uh, battle during the war that maybe doesn't get talked about enough, but I'm, I've never felt the need of throwing on Dunkirk one more time to, to get another taste of it. Absolutely, and they misuse Tom Hardy. If I can't stare at that beautiful face, then what the hell are we doing? Um, Kevin Durant returns tonight uh, against uh, the Hornets, or returns tonight, excuse me, his first game with the Phoenix Suns. For you, I mean, what's the most, uh, what are you most interested in in seeing what Durant looks like on the floor with Phoenix? Well, I think I heard you in the intro talking about it. I think it's exactly that is that what you look like physically. That's the biggest question. How is he moving? Um, you know, and can he still operate with the same fluidity that we saw earlier this season? Um, these things are not unrelated. Everything is kind of touching something else. So when you say, oh, it was just the MCL and he's fine. Well, no, this is also all going back to his Achilles strain and all the issues there, or his Achilles rupture, I should say. So it's very, it's going to be very interesting to see how he looks how Monty Williams uses them, how long he's out there, both in totality and also how long each stretch is for him, how the rotation looks, who they have on the floor at all times, between him, Chris Paul, and Devin Booker, and then also when they all are on the floor together, how they interact and interplay with one another. Uh, the Suns typically have had a pretty good offense that shares the ball, but uh, earlier this season they had a lot of problems offensively scoring because everything fell on Booker's shoulders. All right, now you've got this player who some people believe, myself included, that when healthy, he's the best player in the league. How does he fit with all of this? And how does Devin Booker adjust to perhaps going from number one to number two after having been number one for so long? Oh, yeah, I hadn't even thought about it. You're, you're absolutely right. I hadn't even thought about the Devin Booker angle. My focus had just been on Kevin Durant. That is a good one. All right, I'll leave you with this, and we won't do any questions about load management. Um, so I, 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 what is your latest LeBron James conspiracy theory? Is there one out there? Is there one you're enjoying? Because everything LeBron does always has seven different meanings. Oh, yeah. So we, we talked about this on Basketball Illuminati about how LeBron uh, uses the all-star draft as a way to kind of plant the seeds in the brains of other star players to come play with him. Obviously, they played against the Lakers, played against the Mavs earlier this weekend. They beat the Mavs. Afterwards, Jason Kidd was talking about how they need to mature, and Luka Doncic was very defensive afterwards. And, you know, on the Basketball Illuminati, if you check out this week's episode, we kind of get into that, like, oh, this is – this is all LeBron putting it into Luca's head. Hey, hey, you know what you need to do, fella? You need to play with me. I got you. Oh, I can't wait. See if that happens. Hey, I mean, before we let you go, uh, one last uh, one last thing. Uh, can you recommend a movie under 50% of Rotten Tomatoes that people might have missed that uh, they might enjoy? Oh, this, one, this one's easy. Horrible Bosses, too. This is legit one of my favorite movies ever. It's got... Uh, Jason Sudeikis, Jason Bateman, and Charlie Day. Uh, if you've seen Horrible Bosses, the first one, which is a really yeah. fun movie, a lot of people enjoyed it. The sequel, uh, for whatever reason, is poorly rated. It is That is not an accurate rating. When I tell you the sequel is just as funny, if not funnier, uh, especially if you're just kind of, you're here for the ride. You just allow them to make the jokes and you laugh at it. It's tremendous. I, 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 it's one of the few movies I actually own in terms of, 
download it on my laptop, I pr- on my uh, iPad, I purchased it, and whenever I'm oh bored, if I'm on a flight, I will watch it over and over again. I love it, and it's got two actors, both with two Academy Awards under their belts in it as well, because Christoph Waltz is in it and Kevin Spacey as well. Hey, I mean, really, I really appreciate it. Remember to check out his work on radio, the only place for 24-7 coverage of the NBA series, XM NBA Radio, and, of course, Cinephobe and Basketball Illuminati. If you are a basketball fan, check out one episode. You'll end up checking out a lot more afterwards. All the best, I mean, and thank you for joining the show today. Thanks. That is Amin L. Hassan, and again, former executive with the Phoenix Suns. On the other side of the show, we'll get back into the NHL. And Todd Furman is going to join us at 3.30, co-founder of Bet the Board podcast. And we'll get his take on all things NHL in terms of all the trades and what does it mean from a betting perspective. And we'll do that next time after Cause. You're listening to Gameplay right here on TSN 1050. Welcome back, everybody. This is Gameplay. I am your host, Matthew Cause. Just trying to take a look here on ye old fan duel. Um, Producer Josh, I'm looking at the first goal scorer for tonight's Leafs game uh, against Edmonton. And you know the names off the top, McDavid, Drysaddle, Matthews, Nylander, and so on and so forth. If I scroll down a little bit, I'm kind of looking at um, maybe a a Michael Bunting at fifteen to one, or Ryan O'Reilly at fifteen to one. You know, just anyone. I mean, I guess it depends. I want to see the lines. Basically, I want to see who is on the line. With uh, is it Marner, Matthews, and Bunting? And if it's those three, I might take Bunting at fifteen to one for first goal score. And again, only put down a couple bucks. Matty, this is probably the probably the hardest game to place a first goal score bet because they're all Oilers' score, feel. best offense in the league, Maple Leafs' third best defensive stats when it comes to goals against average in the league. So it's 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 like a coin toss. Like I'm either yeah. going to go both sides. The value though on FanDuel Sportsbook at plus seven fifty for Connor McDavid is extremely nice. Plus nine fifty for Austin Matthews. I don't think I've ever seen it that high before so that is that is nuts yep then there's the john Tavares. there's the zach hyman's like there's so much offensive power in this game that you can honestly go with it's gonna be it's gonna be two one isn't it it's gonna be it's it's just just a mess with us it's gonna be a two one game that that wouldn't be a surprise just because of how <laughs> solid the Maple Leafs on the back end have been. And Elias Samsonov in that, yes, his road record doesn't translate to his home record, but I don't think that usually matters. Like, yep. look at the Maple Leafs' last couple of games here. It's either been sky high over or hovering around the line. Six and a half seems like a likely point because... The odds makers are either saying this is going to be a defensive game or it's going to be similar to what happened against the Sabres or against the Blackhawks. Plus, the Oilers and Bruins game, that went under. I was a culprit of placing the over in that game. So, again, you, you think two offensive teams, oh, Bruins, Oilers, they're pretty good. And then Swayman. Swayman makes saves, 3-2. Yeah. So yeah, three two game, Maddie. I'm I'm actually at a stump here. I'm a, I'm actually at a stump. I would that, probably leads toward lean towards the over. First goal score bet is tough for me. Yeah. Um. By the way, if you're all stumped, then walk away. That's my message for anyone out there. I'm usually you never know? stumped on betting, though. That's that's usually a shock <laughs> for me to say. I'm going to throw one other one. Morgan Riley, 
just to, uh, oh, uh, to score a goal plus six seventy. Just, just, uh, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna throw that out there. But let's get back to the head coach, Sheldon Keefe of the, your Toronto Maple Leafs. Don't know why I said your Maple Leafs. You know who that is. Uh, Sheldon Keefe was asked about how much was he tipped off where, uh, what happened yesterday? Pierre Engvall traded. Rasmus Sandin traded. Luke Shen brought in. All the span of a couple hours, moments after this show ended yesterday. Very rude of the Maple Leafs. Here is Sheldon Keefe, how much he was tipped off to these moves. Yeah, I had a pretty good sense. Uh, didn't necessarily, it was a little bit su- surprising um, beforehand. The other one, McCabe and uh, Lafferty deal, that one is one I had a, a few days notice on in, in advance that it might be coming. Um, but this one here, you know, especially with uh, the three transactions, uh, it was a bit of a surprise, but um, we did have notice going under practice and it was trying to manage it as best we could to not disrupt the group, but uh, I think the players players were able to stay focused and, and were able to get through uh, the part that we need to. Again, never easy to inform players that are no longer with us. Yeah, and you saw that video um, of uh, Sandine and uh, and Pierre Engvall, and it's a bummer. Like as much as you know, people have had complaints about Pierre Engvall, and, and rightfully so. Or, you know, wondering how much can we trust Rasmus Sandin against big boy playoff hockey. Not that he can't one day be there, but he's, he's young and, you know, his development curve here. But just seeing them walking off, uh, you know, the ice, walking out of the, uh, out of the dressing room. Yeah. I don't know about you, Josh, but, you know, you kind of feel a little bit bad for those guys. No, it's tough. It's tough for these guys that have come up not only in the Toronto Maple Leafs, but through the farm system of the Toronto Marlies, have been around the franchise for a good long while. You build the relationships. They've had this core group for, I'm going to say, over five seasons now. Um, and they've been really close-knit. So when you have the... When you have one of these guys that you've been practicing with in the summer, or you're going out for dinner with, or you're having the yeah. team camaraderie, it's tough when it shakes up, but it's the, it's the name of the business, the name of the game, and um, Toronto Maple Leafs had to make the swing if they, they really want to compete. So, tough, tough reality, but I, I'm with you there, Matty. And let's continue with uh, Sheldon Keefe, talking about the depth that he has on defense right now. The first thing for me is just we have now uh, insulation there for whatever the case may be in terms of injury or performance and adjustments uh, to whatever uh, the games uh, might bring. Uh, and, I, and like I said, I just really like the depth and I like in particular Gustafson and, and Chen coming in, two guys that increase the depth, experienced players. And they bring different things that, you know, no matter what we want to look like on a particular night, we can utilize that. Uh, so I think Kyle's done a, a really nice job of just kind of rounding out our depth uh, at both forward and deep. TJ Brody, Mark Giordano, Justin Hall, Timothy Lilligren, Morgan Riley, Luke Shen, Connor Timmins. You know, there's, and those are seven guys. And the good thing here is that if there is an injury, and Eric Gustafson, excuse me, they, they, he came into that deal, uh, the San, San Sandino, the Capitals, is you've got now insure, you have injury insurance. That's what Kyle Dubas and the Maple Leafs have done these past couple of weeks. It is injury insurance on defense and, you know, also, uh, up and down the forward lines. So once again, all the pressure, Matthews, Marner, Nylander, Morgan, Riley. Now the, the pressure is all on you guys. General manager has done his job. Bye-bye, lots and lots of draft picks. 
bye-bye some youth. This is about this group that have been together for like half a decade. Time to get it done. All right, on the other side of the show, we are going to have Todd Furman is going to join us, co-founder of the Bet the Board podcast, also does a lot of analysis work with CBS. We saw him with, uh, on SportsCenter yesterday with Jay Onright. We'll get his take on is Connor McDavid winning everything, the smartest and easiest bet in the NHL. And I'm talking about individual awards, not about Stanley Cups. We'll do that right after traffic, which is brought to you by JanPro. Proudly serving Canadian businesses for over 25 years. Put your trust in JanPro, the leader in commercial cleaning and disinfection services. Visit janpro.ca today. Welcome back, everybody. This is Gameplay. I'm your host, Matthew Cause. Yeah, you heard the promo there. Golf Talk Canada, 7 o'clock tonight. Right here on TSN 1050, so you can catch that right after Overdrive is done. And you got the Leafs and Oilers tonight, and then tomorrow it's back-to-back for Toronto. Leafs taking on the Flames. I wonder if they can do what the Boston Bruins did, where they had back-to-back, where they are on a just a, a, a lot of games and not a lot of nights, and the Bruins beat Edmonton, then beat the Flames last night in overtime. Dmitry Orloff with two goals in that game. But, yeah, Leafs and Flames tomorrow, 8.30 is when our coverage starts right here on TSN 10.50. And then Friday, it is the NHL trade deadline. And I'm like a lot of you. I bet a lot of you watch the show, catch parts of it, maybe early on, just because we kind of like to laugh, don't we? And uh, it, it, I love Duffy. I love everyone at TSN. They do an incredible job, the producers, the directors. But there's no trades on Friday. There's going to be a lot of tap dancing. Thankfully, no one does it better than those guys over there. Speaking of no one does it better, like if I hear the term, or excuse me, the name, Todd Furman, I immediately go to sports betting. I mean, he's been doing it for ages. I've heard him on countless different radio stations, seen him on TV. Saw him with Jay Onright the other day right here on SportsCenter. And he's joining us now, a former odds maker, now the co-founder of the Bet the Board podcast, does work with CBS. Uh, Todd Furman, thanks so much for joining the show today. Hey, thanks for having me on. And hopefully I don't disappoint with such a lovely introduction there about all things in the wagering world. Yeah, you know, you're right. That was unfair by me. I should have started. He's uh, he's fair to middling. Uh, it's not fair, but let's start here. I like to do a thing called the cowardly bet of the day, where I will I will take the fifth defenseman and I'll bet fifty dollars that that defenseman won't score and I'll win three dollars and twenty five cents. So that's my like cowardly bet. When it comes to Connor McDavid. Is betting on him to win any and all award, is that now the most cowardly bet in the NHL? Because it feels like he's going to win everything. I don't feel like it's a cowardly award. The only thing that could derail 97 at this point in the season would be injury. I mean, you look at the performance he continues to put up, and you mentioned doing some work with Jay Onright last week. I was surprised to see Connor McDavid only uh, right around minus $1.90 to win the Rocket Richard Award, and since then he has basically tried to put this Edmonton Oilers team on his back uh, and carry them to the finish. I mean, there's nothing that man can't do as it relates to stuffing a stat sheet from a goal-scoring perspective, assists, or, of course, taking home the hardware. So I'm not jumping in front of that freight train in any capacity. Uh, Every time we think he's raised the bar to a level that he can't surpass, he continues to take it one step further. 
Yeah, got uh, 50 goals the other night against the Bruins. That for the first time in his career. As for the game tonight, the Leafs and and the Oilers. I'm curious your thoughts on this. Not about. I mean, if you want to break down the third lines for these teams, fantastic. But I'm more curious about the psychology of betting on this game, because this game is fun. This game is filled with stars. So we're all rushing to bet the over of seven total goals. We're all betting that Matthews and McDavid and everyone's going to score tonight. Uh, but then that makes me nervous, feels like a bit of a trap. How do you view tonight's game? Because uh, all of us public, all of us squares, we just want to bet the over, have a beer, and enjoy ourselves. And that was honestly the way that people were looking to bet the Oilers the last time we saw them out there against the Boston Bruins. 3-2 at the end of two periods, and then, of course, we see a scoreless third period where the game stays under the total. This game has taken on a slightly different pattern. You mentioned the total. It actually opened at 6.5. We're now out to 7. Still some 6.5s out there, heavily juiced. But what's been interesting about this is you've seen one-way traffic coming in on the home underdog. Edmonton right around plus $1.15 on the open, that number trending closer to a pick And the craziest part about it, because when we think about these rosters, obviously it's synonymous with high-flying offense. We know the Leafs continue to make additions. They can go three or four lines deep. But you look under the hood at some of the underlying metrics for how good these teams have been defensively. From an expected goals against standpoint over the last 10 games, the Leafs and Oilers are both in the top 10 in the league. The problem that we've seen from Edmonton more so than Toronto is that the Oilers can't get a timely save to save their life, whether it was the Pavel Zaka goal at the end of that second period against Boston or the struggles we've seen from Jack Campbell. That's the biggest problem in this kind of matchup. So I would definitely lean over. And honestly, I've burned more money at the window trying to back the Oilers in these kind of spots over their last 10 games. And whether it's the game against Boston, blowing a three-goal lead against the Rangers or the Avalanche, I've kind of sworn them off because my numbers are much higher than what I'm seeing from an overall market performance. Speaking of performance, how do you view the season-long performance of the Maple Leafs from the perspective of there is no team in hockey over the last couple of years that gets favored by like minus 250 and 300 and above and loses as often as Toronto? <laughs> Uh, inconsistency, I think, is the best adjective that we can use to describe the Leafs, not just the last season and a half, but the last couple of years. Uh, as you mentioned, clearly a team that you don't feel that comfortable laying a goal and a half with, or trying to use them as a leg in a money line parlay, where they're a massive favorite. You'd hope with some of the moves that they've made leading up to the deadline that they can solidify themselves in that regard, because they have a couple lines that are capable of carrying that torch on a nightly basis they're a little bit deeper in their defensive core as well but those uneven performances that we've grown accustomed to between the pipes have really plagued them so Toronto's a team you look to bet on when they play elite teams and you should never hesitate from taking those generous price tags when they take on some of the bottom feeders especially down the stretch knowing that the Leafs have one thing in mind and it's obviously jockeying with the Lightning for home ice advantage in what will be that 2-3 matchup in the Atlantic Division but given what we've seen out of Tampa the Leafs may back into it even if they end up losing a couple of those games against bottom feeders over their final 20. Oh god I'm not even I'm uh, just thinking about Toronto and Tampa in the playoffs. I'm already getting angry. <laughs> uh, joined by uh, Todd Furman. You can follow yeah, on Twitter. I was going to say, there, there are no easy outs in the Eastern Conference. So I think a lot of fans, whether you're rooting for the Devils, the Rangers, the Hurricanes, the Leafs, or the Lightning, uh, are going to find themselves in Maalox Mashers more often than not when the postseason starts in the middle of April.
I enjoy Maalox Masher. Ma- um, that's a good term. Actually, you know what? Okay, let's go there for a second then before we talk about like trade deadline and, and what you're looking for and what's interesting you the most. I look at the East, and I've been saying this for ages and now even more so with every star going from the West to the East. I will not be betting on one Eastern team on the futures to win or get to the Stanley Cup uh, to get to the Stanley Cup Finals. To me, there is no value, and I don't think anyone has any idea. Every game is going to be a death match. I don't. I don't I, how say you? I know a lot of people are betting the Rangers, and maybe because they're they're trying to find some value there. But uh, are you betting on any of these Eastern teams, or are you staying away from it? I think that's the most astute observation out there. And people that are trying to bet a team in the East to come out and represent the conference in the Stanley Cup Final are doing the sports betting equivalent in my opinion of trying to split the atom right now because all of those teams are going to find themselves in six seven game series and you wonder what they could have left in the tank when they draw a team out of the western conference so much like you i don't think there's any reason or incentive to add a future on a team in the east if anything you could bet those teams series to series and probably end up getting better return on investment by rolling over some of those series prices especially if they find themselves losing game one or chasing a 2-1 series deficit whereas the western conference at least for me by my numbers there's two teams that have kind of distanced themselves from everyone else based on their ceiling one team i feel more comfortable in their floor of course being the colorado avalanche but we've seen their odds come crashing down from a peak around eight or nine to one to win the cup to about five and a half to six I'm a lot more bullish on the Oilers, but again, unless I can trust this team to get a timely save, real tough to try and back with a significant investment. But if you're asking me to slot teams three through eight right now, I mean, grab a deck of cards, flip it up in the air, grab a dartboard. I mean, any of those analogies would resonate because I think you're going to see a sleeper potentially emerge, and that's probably the best way to identify value, hoping they can emerge from the West and at least give you a puncher's chance in a Stanley Cup final. Yeah, yeah, God, I wish we'd all jumped on the avalanche a lot sooner. Uh, but, yeah, they got the highest ceiling, I think, of any team in the West. Uh, so, Todd, all the deals in the last couple of weeks, is is there one or two that really stick out for you the most, you know, from you know Horvat and Timo Meyer and Tarasenko and Kane and Ryan O'Reilly? And I'm probably missing some. Is there one or two that sticks out the most for you from a betting perspective? I actually like what the Leafs did. I know when you look at the way they went about getting Noel Achari and Ryan O'Reilly before the bidding war really started to get ratcheted up, you bring in a guy that can offer grit and some of that sandpaper mentality uh, in Ryan O'Reilly. And the fact that John Tavares had no problem kicking out to the wing, saying he actually would relish the opportunity to have fewer defensive assignments, speaks volumes about maybe getting full buy-in from this team. And just getting the minor deals to try and bolster what this team is doing on their blue line. Jake McCabe, a player that was vastly underrated because he gets lost in anonymity playing for the Blackhawks. You now have another veteran that you can add to the fold uh, in Luke Shen along the blue line. And I'm not sure he's going to factor into the top three pairings on a night-in, night-out basis. But we've seen it in the playoffs and the way it's really become a grind that you have to have seven or eight defensemen that you can rotate through to try and keep them healthy. Uh, When you look at the Devils, I think the Timo Meyer deal have a bigger impact for them going forward. Uh, I'm not nearly as bullish on the kind of impact he'll have right away in terms of impacting their overall playoff profile. And with the Rangers, I think they're going to go through an adjustment, to be quite honest. You have 
a number of players that have grown accustomed to being alphas on their respective rosters. Last I checked, there's still only one puck to go around. And when you look <laughs> at a player like Patrick Kane that doesn't log time on the penalty kill, may not factor that prominently on their first power play grouping, how will he handle a reduction in potential minutes that are out there? So I think at least for the next 8 to 10 games, it'll be bear watching. And from a nightly value perspective, you may find opportunity to bet against the Rangers more so than a bet on them before this group completely comes together and gels. Todd, really appreciate it. You see, it came out I, with high expectations, and, and you absolutely nailed it. I really, really appreciate you joining the show. And as said, go follow him on Twitter, at Todd Furman. Check out the podcast, Bet the Board Podcast. Thanks so much for joining the show today. Hey, I appreciate you having me on, and enjoy the great games tonight. I know everybody in the hockey world will be looking forward to what's going on out there in Alberta, even if I'll be at T-Mobile trying to root home the Golden Knights as a short home underdog against the Canes. By the way, the Golden Knights, why aren't they doing anything? Uh, are they go- like, I make this joke a hundred times. Are they going for the Stanley Cup or Connor Bedard? Uh, why uh, they I mean, at this point, I'm not sure what the Knights have in terms of draft capital or salary cap flexibility. Yeah. I mean, the worst thing that happened to the organization was competing for the Cup year one. They basically who, depleted who? all their assets. And the running joke I have with some of the folks close to the organization, I'm not sure that they thought trading Nick Suzuki and multiple draft picks for Tomas Tatar is a deal that was clearly going to put them in good standing. The Barbashev move is a nice piece to add up front, but I think the bigger concern you have for the Knights is goaltending. They can't seem to keep any of these guys healthy, even if they have three or four capable bodies on a nightly basis. Yeah, it's going to be hard for me to give you any sympathy considering the Maple Leafs and how many playoff series they have in the last 19 years. So, uh, <laughs> I understand completely, and that's what makes the hockey world go around. We're more than happy to embrace embrace the villain role out here on the West Coast. God, I'd love it if the Leafs were villains. Oh, that'd be a nice change than what they currently are. All the best, Todd. Uh, good luck. Enjoy the games, and uh, we'll chat soon. Sounds good. Look forward to it. Thanks again. Absolutely. That is Todd Furman. I almost said Foreman. Furman. Uh, again, yeah, I mean, he's a guy that's been doing this for ages. And, you know, way before many people talked about sports betting, uh, Todd Furman has been a big part of it. I'm debating now what to do for sound. You know, oh, wait a minute. I'm not debating. Aaron Rodgers has come out of the darkness into the light. What did he have to say? We will get you that for sound of the day. In just a minute, I'm Matthew Cause. You are listening to Gameplay right here on TSN 1050. Time now for News Talk 1010 Traffic Update. Welcome back, everybody. This is Gameplay. I'm yours, Matthew Cause. Gameplay on TSN 1050 was brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Get your winnings fast when you download the FanDuel Sportsbook app today. I'm not going to ask you what the weather is where you are, because I know you're the studio there, Producer Josh, but it is a gorgeous day. I'm overlooking Lake Ontario, looking over at the Toronto Islands, and it's gorgeous. It's a blue sky, not many clouds. It's sunny out there. Yeah, it's uh, when I was driving in, it's, it wasn't that bad of a drive, considering the last couple uh, of the days that uh, yeah. us Torontonians have had to go through yeah, um, on the snow side, on the icy side, on just pure salt, messing up our shoes. Like, oh, it's nice to have these days again. Yeah. We, we were we were hyping up the the fifteen, the, sorry, the the ten Celsius, ten Celsius day last week, but that's far gone now. It it is. By the way, one of my favorite things about about the city of Toronto 
is sometime around now, like maybe a couple a week or so, whenever you have that early March little string of good days, where it's it's like one day it's like thirteen degrees, and then everyone is trying to brave the uh, the patios. <laughs> it's like believe it, I, yep. I I'll put a toque on, but I just need to be outside. Uh, by the way, happy birthday today, Justin Bieber is twenty nine. And a couple great receivers, Jamar Chase and Tyreek Hill, also have birthdays today. Um, as mentioned before, in terms of uh, bets out there, uh, the one I did, I got five bucks on Matthews to score and the Leafs to win. That's a FanDuel uh, boost. It's uh, three to one, so five bucks pays you 15. I do like this other one of, uh, of Tatum and Donovan Mitchell to each score 30 points, and that one is plus 500. So it's like four to one now. It is a five to one bet. Uh, a bunch of good games tonight, but everything, everything starts uh, with the Leafs and the Oilers. And I think, like, we're just all wildly curious, aren't we, to see who is on the ice for the Leafs. What are the defensive pairings? You know, who's who's sitting that normally would uh, would have been played. Now that you know uh, the the deals that have been made in the last in the last like 24, 48 hours, and no more Pierre Engvall, no more Rasmus Sandin. This Leafs team. Think about how think about how different this Leafs team is going to look in the next game or two versus Game One, where Game One the the Game One starter was Murray. And we still didn't know who was going to be the second, the, the left winger with John Tavares. And now the left winger on the John Tavares line is John Tavares. Like this team is so different now than what they were at the beginning of the year. Super different. Seems like the projected lines tonight seem Bonting, Matthews, Marner, Tavares, O'Reilly, Nylander, Kerfoot, Camp, Yarncroke. And Kerf- Ash- hold on, hold on, wait. Go slow, my friend. Kerfoot, Camp, Camp Yarncroke. Uh, Yarncroke, yeah, yeah, okay. And Aston Reese on the left, Achari in the middle, Lafferty making his debut on the right. All right. Uh, and, you know, uh, Jonas Siegel and Myrtle were bringing this up the other day. Last year, the fourth line was Wayne Simmons, Kyle Clifford, and Colin Blackwell. None of those guys are, uh, some of them aren't on the Leafs. None of them were really centers. That fourth line is so different. But yet, once again, needs to be said, fourth line, I think, is better. Third line, definitely better. In the end, it's going to be about the first two lines for the Maple Leafs. They deserve a lot of credit there, Matty. Going to add this as well. Like I feel like we haven't really been talking about that. We, we played the audio from Sheldon Keefe. Eric Gustafson is now on the team the sixth best point scorer ahead of Morgan Raleigh oh. with 38 points. Oh, you so, know what? I... I didn't even think about yeah. that. Yeah. So that is... you're getting a guy who can not only put it on the defensive end, but can actually pass the puck extremely well. You know, before we get to sound of the day, real quick, give me the Jake McCabe sound on what it means when the newest uh, Toronto Maple Leafs from the Blackhawks, what it means to get the chance to play in the playoffs. It's everything, really. Um, you know, been, that's what this game is all about. And obviously, I haven't been able to get there. And um, just to be able to have a chance to. Playing the playoffs is very important to me, and um, like I said, I've got a ton of respect for this group and what they've done and what they've built here. So, like I said, I just want to, you know, fit in whatever way I can and just try to help us win. And I mean, that would be just one of the storylines. He's a guy who never had an opportunity. Now he does, and I, you know, we will see him in the top two. Uh, he'll be somewhere in the top four of the defensive parents for the Maple Leafs. All right, we do this at the end of each and every show. It's time now for sound of the day. 
For sound of the day, we go to Aaron Rodgers talking a little bit about uh, being in that darkness retreat. There was um, an excitement. I think uh-huh. there was there was the the understanding that I was walking into the unknown, and I think it's part anxiety and part excitement. Like, yeah. what is going to come through in these four nights, and also what is going to come through? in these four nights, you know, mm-hmm. just the dichotomy of, um, just the unknown. Um, and then I blew that candle out mm-hmm. and that started, um, a pretty incredible, uh, difficult at times, uh, four nights. Yeah. <laughs> uh, How do you feel about this? <laughs> Uh, you know, listen, I, part of me just wants to do the low-hanging fruit and making fun of them. And then the other part of me wants to go, well, it, we, we're all, we all talk now about self-care, about doing what it takes to, to be in a good place and mental health and all of that. So then part of me is like, okay, um, I won't make fun of him, even though it feels really easy to. He says he will make his decision sooner rather than later. Is it Green Bay? What does that mean for Jordan Love? Is it the Jets? Don't count out the Miami Dolphins. We will see that'll do it for me today you have been listening to gameplay on tsn 1050 you got overdrive coming up next and then at seven o'clock it is golf talk canada tomorrow's show is going to be a busy one it'll be looking back at the leafs oilers looking ahead to the leafs and flames getting you set for the raptors and what other moves happens between now and then can't wait but first traffic